So welcome to Hidden Images Podcast, powered by Next Level Internet Radio. And for the next two hours, we're bringing you nothing but the biz as it relates to Black business, Black entrepreneurs, and Black culture. And before we get started, I would like to thank Douglas Elliott and the Next Level Internet Radio team for allowing me to have this platform It is platforms like Next Level Radio that make it possible for entrepreneurs like myself to share this opportunity with others and to build my own brand awareness because that is the ultimate goal for myself. Before we introduce my first guest, before she gets to the studio, let's see, I think we've got someone wanting to come on. Here we go. How are you, Douglas? I am good. Trying to stay warm. Exactly. I'm I'm trying to stay I'm trying to stay healthy over here. But yeah, you've got a lot of things coming up. Let's talk about maybe a few of those things while we wait on 10. So you've got you've got a big event coming up on the 8th, correct? Is that something you can talk about? Uh the 8th, the 8th of Oh, oh yeah, 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 yeah. Uh this Saturday. Um Sword yeah. Championship Wrestling uh Sorcade aftermath uh there was a uh, there was a uh, pay-per-view in December back in December uh with Sword Championship Wrestling uh for those that don't know uh that is uh, Denise Jones and um uh Sir Mo of uh WWF fame men on a mission uh but um this is like a the first paper, or well, not a pay per view, but first main event uh, for uh, 2022 with Soar, and um, there will be uh, everything that the result. The aftermath, what happened, uh, the 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 residual effect from that pay per view in uh, de- December. So, um, a lot of belts changed hands mm-hmm. in December. So there's a lot of questions to be answered, uh, new challenges, uh, new challengers for these champions. Mm -hmm. Um, We have a women's champion that's now a TV champion. So she actually owns two belts. So come on in. So we're trying to decide. She's trying to, we're trying to figure out her plan uh, for um, her upcoming uh, titles. Um, If she's going to stay in the women's division. Don't sit down. If she's going to stay in the women's division or if she's going to uh, continue on as the SOAR TV champion. Uh, we got a, some new uh, characters okay. going to be introduced this Saturday. Um, it's going to be at the uh, Dallas mm-hmm. Elks Lodge here in Dallas, Texas. Um, so it's just exciting. Mm-hmm. It's an exciting time. Um, I've been asked to come on as the uh, one of the creative writers. Um, I'll be working with the women's division. So any any ladies interested in uh, pursuing a wrestling career, I know that's a strange <laughs> thing to ask women, but hey, it's a lot of possibilities. Uh, you know, modeling. Uh, exactly. A lot of a lot of women have, have turned that re- their wrestling career into TV shows and movies, and so you know, who's to say it can't happen again? Mm-hmm. So I agree. I but yeah, agree. that's where we'll be. That's uh, that's a big event in March in May in, in January. So your guest is here. Well, 
we'll get started. So how are you, Tan? We've Earth. done this before. You I am I am blessed. I'm doing well. How are you? I see you with your podcast. Doing your thing 2022, looking good for you. I'm proud of you. Well, thank you. Let's get this thing going. <laughs> I appreciate you. And then you've also got some new things that we actually brought you here to Hidden Images podcast to share about Pretty and Packing. So I know we've done this before. We've sat down, we've interviewed, um, but there have been lots of changes since our last interview. Um, so and just in case people haven't um, read your article or read up on Pretty and Packing, go ahead and just introduce yourself, who you are to Pretty and Packing, and then maybe dive into what Pretty and Packing used to be and then explain some of those upcoming changes. Okay. Well, I am, my name is Latandra Colbritton now Johnson. Um, I am Dallas born, Dallas bred. I'm at home. I'm right here from Dallas. I graduated from Carter High School, um, grew up in Oak Cliff, Pleasant Grove, Mesquite areas. Um, I am a hairstylist by trade. Uh, I did hair for almost 30 years. And I remember um, being at the salon late, late hours of the night. And my uh, bank account, my business account, when I would leave the salon at night, I would have to go and drop off money. Either that or I would have, you know, large amounts of money on me leaving the salon late at night. So I was always um, a little bit fearful and anxious about leaving there late at night by myself. Um, a lot of times being in a single mother situation, being single, leaving, you know, getting off of work late at night and carrying money with me. But, you know, most hairstylists, think a lot of them work with cash. I always kind of feared um, the possibility of someone, you know, watching me or uh, doing something to me in the middle of the night or, you know, on my way home or moving back and forth between the clubs. Um, because there was a time I was a DJ. I used to DJ um, carrying DJ equipment and, you know, just feeling vulnerable to, you know, the crime that's in the city because you never know when someone's going to try to turn you into a victim. And um, I want to say about two years ago, uh, my mom approached me and she was like, you know something we've never done? Uh, we've never gone to the gun range. And I was like, yeah, you know, I, I, had, I had a gun um, a few years back, probably about five or six years back, I had a gun I had bought from someone off the street just to make sure that I had something. But I would stare at that gun in the middle of the night in fear. Like, if somebody really came in here, would I really be able to pull that gun and use it? Like, I had a gun and five bullets. It was a revolver. <laughs> and that's all I had. <laughs> I was like, and I only got five bullets. So am I going to be able to do what I need to do <laughs> with those five bullets? Like, what am I going to do with this gun? Um, but I just never activated or never went. So my mom approached me. She's like, you know, I, I think we should try to get our LTC. I think we should... Yeah. You know should do it and i was like oh, okay yeah let's do it you know i'm just yeah let's get it done let's go so one of my aunts hosted a class at her home i didn't even know you could do that um i didn't even know you could host those classes at your home i didn't know that they had them online all kinds of stuff i didn't know because i hadn't been exposed 
And so we went to the class at my aunt's home, and I met this gentleman, uh, Eric Haslam. Uh, he taught the class, and it was so informative. I learned so much. I was so inspired. Like, the information that I got there was like changing in the class portion um, because there was a lot of laws that I did not know governed us when we, you know, carry our firearms. But it's the laws, you know, they, they're, you know, they can go all the way to the right or they can go all the way to the left, but you, you know, you got to know them. But it was, to me, it was so empowering just sitting there listening to him. Because, you know, when you learn, you empower yourself. Um, but needless to say, I didn't have the experience. I had never shot a gun. Um, I had only seen one and had one, but I had never actually used it. So we make it to the range because there's two portions to the test. There's a written portion and then you go to the range. So we make it to the range and I had two guns that one of my friends loaned me. She was like, you can use one of your mom for you one. I'm like, okay, cool. So she showed me how to load it and everything. I'm thinking I'm ready to go. Yeah, no, I get to the, <laughs> I get to the counter. I'm putting 380 bullets in the nine millimeter and putting the nine millimeter bullets in the 380 and the bullets is falling out of the gun while I'm firing it. And the, um, the, it was a mess. It was just a hot mess. And my mom, poor thing, she, I don't even know if she knew what she had gotten us into, but um, she was over there just every time, the, you know, when you go to the gun range, people are firing, they're shooting. So you're gonna hear yeah. the bang bang, and she every time she she's sitting over there in the corner, like every time the guns go off, I'm like, listen, you're gonna have to calm down. We're in the gun range, like don't have a nervous breakdown here. So yeah, she didn't even attempt to take the test. At least I attempted, but it was a mess. Um, the instructor was just like, yo, you know, I really appreciate you guys' efforts, but go get some more practice and come back. So, you know, me being who I am, I'm, I don't, I don't do failure. You know, I'm not, I, you can't no. tell me no. Don't, let me show you, cause you're not gonna tell me no. I, I ended up at the range every week. I went and, I quickly went and purchased me a firearm, something that I felt um, would be comfortable for me. I went and had a conversation with one of the store clerks uh, at Academy. And they walked me through my first purchase. Mm -hmm. They let me hold it. They let me, you know, they taught me how to load it, taught me how to unload it, all this, you know, everything that I needed to know uh, about the firearm. And I, I, I may have spent maybe about 300 bucks on it. It was uh, my first uh, gun was a, a Rugger uh, Security 9. And um, I started going to the range like twice a week. I was at the range on Tuesday and Friday. Every Tuesday, Friday, I was at the range, and I was just learning so much. Um, just going by myself and watching videos. Um, I joined uh, different clubs on on Facebook uh, to learn, start following different people, just to kind of educate myself um, because I was I didn't want to be intimidated. And again, I was still leaving the salon late hours of the night because you know you work for yourself, you work when opportunity presents itself. So I would leave like two, three o'clock in the morning and I'm still leaving with money on me, uh, products on me, whatever I got. So I was like, I need to learn how, if I'm gonna carry this weapon, I need to learn how to use it. 
So I made sure I was at the range twice a week doing my work and getting information and taking classes and doing what I had to do uh, to educate myself so that if anything ever popped off, I may not have shot them, but hey, they gonna know <laughs> she at least been to the range. <laughs> you know? Um, so my accuracy got better and better. So by the time I got back with uh, Eric, about take, getting the licensing, um, and I took my test. I hosted my own class, and we had about nine mm -hmm. people in the class. That was a pretty big class. I hosted at my home, did the same thing my aunt did, followed the same thing she did, and we had such a good time getting together, just talking about the laws, um, talking about our experiences, um, that we things that we've seen, things that we've heard, and just learning together. And then by the time we got to the range, um, I shot so good that he was like, yo, you really should think about being an instructor. Well, I'm already an instructor. I teach cosmetology. You know, I've taught a lot. I, I subbed for years. So when he made that suggestion, I was like, hmm. And I teach, well, I was teaching Zumba. So, you know, I have an instructor's mentality. So I was like, hmm, that might not be too difficult for me to to get into that. So uh, that was uh, my very next birthday. I was like, I'm going to do that for my birthday. I'm going to work, work, work extra hard. And I will uh, be at the range twice a week working extra hard every chance I get. I, I spent money on ammo. I think I, I would buy like I would buy like 500 rounds of ammo at a time just to make sure that, mm -hmm. you know, I'm going to get some good time in the range. And um, when I when I went to take my test, I took the class on my birthday, my birthday weekend. I paid for myself to take the class and I had a good time. I learned a lot and I passed the class. So I became an NRA instructor and um, just started teaching basic pistol classes and still hosting LTC classes but I was like you know well hey if I had this issue and this fear and this anxiety about using a firearm then there has to be other women like me other black women in my community you know because of what we've gone through and what we've seen happen in our community and because of what slavery taught us of owning a firearm, using a firearm if I had to. Um, and I just thought I'd share it. So I got with my sister. I said, hey, you know, you want to learn? Or what you think about us teaching? What you think about us getting a group of women together? And we just basically go to the range together. And that's basically how uh, Pretty Impacting became, you know, a club. We just started Pretty Impacting the Gun Club. Um, we started going to the range. I was already going twice a week, so I just invited the ladies to join me. Um, we were we were basically operating as a club. Our goal was education, community, uh, and sisterhood, sisterhood and protection. Education, community, sisterhood, and protection. Um, those were our four main um, ingredients that we used to build the club. Um, we did social events to build our sisterhood. Uh, stuff like just going to karaoke, going out for daiquiris, just hanging out, you know, getting to know one another. Um, we did like weekend getaways where we would just go out for the weekend and hang out. 
Um, we would clean the community up, go out in the community, do community service. We've cleaned the community. We fed the homeless. Um, we've assisted victims of domestic violence that, you know, trying to get out of a bad situation. Um, we've, um, we've done a lot. We've given out coats and, and blankets and socks and toys. We had a toy drive, school supply drive, uh, just basically trying to be, you know, your local super sheroes um, in our community, as well as, you know, spread the word that, hey, the world that we live in is not the same world that most of us grew up in. And we need to be prepared and ready if, you know, an, uh, some, an event happens where we have to protect ourselves or our families. And uh, what I notice is a lot of women, we have a, that rescue syndrome or that rescue mentality, like we're waiting on Mr. Wright to come and rescue us, and save us from, I don't know, whatever the dangers of the world presents. We just, you know, we're looking for that man to come and make us feel safe. But, you know, I've seen a lot of times where that man might have needed to be saved. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? He he might have been put in a situation where you had to protect him, you know, and I just, I'm, you know, I'm not a gender roles type of person, so I believe that it works both ways. If he's going to protect me, then I need to protect him as well. Because um, you never know what's out there, what's going to happen. And so that's basically, you know, how Pretty Impact was birthed and what we did and who we are, you know. And so right now, here recently, actually a few days ago, you've announced big changes. So take us into those changes uh, with Pretty Unpacking and what we can all look forward to. So um, what, what we're doing now is I'm just, well, I'm working on streamlining what we do um, and focusing more on personal education, individual and group setting education, uh, teaching gun safety from a very foundational standpoint. Like I said, I am an NRA instructor. Um, I'm currently uh, waiting on my appointment to go to Austin to get my LTC instructor's license. Um, so I'm putting a lot of things on hold uh, as far as everything that we do with Pretty Impact and just so that I can take time more to educate myself and uh, invite the ladies in the group um, that if they want to pursue uh, an instructor's or educator's uh, standpoint in our group, uh, that they, you know, join me and we, we take it a step further as opposed to us just going to the gun range and just, you know, target practice. Um, I want to get more into the vigilance training, the tactical part of it. Uh, real world scenarios, what would happen if, you know, what really would happen if you were put in a situation where you had, what if you were being carjacked? You know, what if you coming home and you, I had one of the ladies in my group um, Shanae um, from um, the Wise Advocacy Project. She's an amazing woman in the community. Um, she told me she was coming home from shopping one night, and there was a homeless person. Uh, when she came home, when she got out of the out of the grocery store, there was a homeless person. Um, there was a home homeless person sleeping in her or trying to uh, sleep in her car. 
while she was shopping, you know, and it's situations like that. Like you need to know when to use your firearm and when it's just a homeless person that wants to get some sleep. You know what I'm saying? Like I want to really dive into training real world scenarios, um, home invasion uh, practices. You know, what happens if somebody breaks into your home while you're home? Like how do you really handle that? Um, when do you when do you dis discharge a firearm? When is it okay? When is it legally? You know what I'm saying? Because these are things that we really don't know. Um, and a lot of us, I've heard people say, "Well, I wouldn't get a gun because I already know how I am. I know my attitude. I know if I get." But that's no. You no 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 no. A gun is not for your attitude. A gun is not an attitude corrector. You know what I'm saying? A gun is not. You know, oh, I'm mad. They, they go, no, you got it all wrong. The gun is specifically for your protection. You know, so what about insurance? You know, what happens after you fire, discharge your firearm? You know, what are you supposed to do? You know, because you're going to go to jail. Like, you, um, even if you're in the right, you'll still go to jail. So I want to be able to provide uh, that information for the community so that, you know, because we don't know these things. And, uh, you know, it, it's really sad that we see what we see on, on social media. We see the police officer kill the young black brother. And the police officer, you know, he doesn't go to jail. Um, he goes to court, may spend, you know, two or three months in a court proceeding just to be set free. Why? What's happening that these officers are able to basically murder us and get off well it's because of the way the law is written you know it's, it's it's it may have a lot to do with racism but the law is written in a racist way however if we understand how the law is written and what it's meant to do then we can use it for our good as opposed to it always working you know for our downfall so I think it's important that we really start to educate the community on what the laws say. How do they work? Not what it say you can't do, but what does it say you're allowed to do? You know what I'm saying? Yeah. When are you? When is it okay to discharge your weapon? Um, and and I'm going to start offering um, training, um, going into people's homes if they like to say, you know, hey, you got an exit door here, you got a closet here, you got a place you can hide here. Teach your kids how to use your firearm. My child has been instructed that if she's home alone and there's a, a, an invasion in our home, you get to this place, there's a firearm right here. As long as they can have whatever they want in the house, ain't nothing in here for them to get. If they come in this closet right here, you let them have it. Aim for the body. And I take her to the range and I teach her. And she shoots, you know, she she's good. So. I would pray for anybody who would think that it was okay to break into our home because she knows what she's doing. So, you know, but if we have a cold word, you know what I'm saying? If someone comes into our home and, and you know, we need to get the fire, we need to get to a firearm, there's a cold word that'll go ring out in the house. And somebody knows if you're closest to the firearm, you need to get it. You know, these are things that we need to be ready for. We need to think about stuff like that because, I mean, at the end of the day, I hate to say it, we never knew, who knew that the White House was going to be taken over this time last year? 
Like nobody knew that was gonna happen. They just rolled up, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> they just, so it's stuff like that that we need to prepare for. We never know, you know, what's gonna happen in our community, who has what type of mentality or what they're thinking on our behalf. And I always say it's much better to be ready and stay ready so you don't have to go try to waste time getting ready. So that's basically where we're going. Um, I'm streamlining everything. We're still a club. I'm not going to like kick anybody out. However, um, our active um, in, involved people will be educators. Um, it won't, there, I won't do any more um, club fees and you know, things like that. I won't have any more membership dues and all that kind of stuff. I'm not doing any of that. Uh, I'm gonna just streamline education. I'll still host our social events. I will still, you know, do our fundraisers, our dry, our toy drives, supply drives. Um, I still will invite the ladies to come out and help us in the community. Um, but our main focus and goal will be to get educators on our team so that we can educate the community about, you know, gun safety. You know, gun gun violence is going crazy and. I seen a video the other day where, where a girl was just wilding out. She was just wilding out and she took a bottle and burst uh, the bottle on the window. The window didn't break, but she was just, ah, you know how some, you know, not all, but you know how some black women can be in some of our, you know, communities, you know, a lot of black women are taught to be aggressive because of how we're raised and what we see, you know. So the, the young lady, she was just wilding out and another young lady, black two black girls, another young lady just walked up and shot her, just shot her. So, and it's on video, like it's a live video. You hear the girls screaming, I'm sick of him, I'm sick of him. And then the other yeah. girl just rolls up and start, you know, unloading into her and then you hear nothing but fire, but you know, and it's like, wow, it's stuff like that going on in the community. Now what's sad is, you know, that lady that pulled out the firearm, she's going to prison. You know what I'm saying? She's going to jail. There's another way to handle that situation. You know, and just because the lady's being emotional and erratic does not give you the right to pull out a firearm and shoot her. So, right. you know, this is stuff that needs to be addressed in our community because we don't know. You know, not only that, a lot of us Black women don't know how to, you know, stay calm in situations and, you know, not let it escalate you know what i'm saying i was approached by a guy in the uh airport just monday just this past monday a guy a white guy approached me and you know not only was he rude but he was aggressive you know and i was just thinking to myself man you know if he had handled me like that in the street you know not inside of the airport where i can't have my firearm it would have been a whole nother situation like we would have you know i would have had to let him know bruh you know I'm I'm not a victim, you know. I'm not gonna just sit here and let you victimize me. And I I know you have your beliefs and whatever, you, you know, you practice or whatever. But I'm still a human being, and you're still going to respect me as such, you know. I don't know if you know about the story of the black lady that was down in Debellum, uh, where the man hit her with his with his gun, right in the broad daylight. They was fighting over a parking lot. A parking spot or something like that and, and the man and he didn't even yeah. go to like he went to jail he was that she went to jail <laughs> she went to jail because of public intoxication you know what i'm saying so it's stuff like that that happens to us 
And, you know, we look at it as us being victimized or us being a victim, when in actuality, we just need to know the law. We just need to know what the law says. So I'm going to spend a lot of time teaching the community about what the law says. What can you do? How do you handle yourself? How do you protect yourself? And the fact that you need to be prepared to protect yourself. You need to be prepared to do that. So that's where we're going. That's, that's the future of pretty and fashion. And as I've told you before, I, I love the direction. Um, the more that I love the direction that that educational, uh, because a lot of people when when it comes to to being in business, uh, looking up to groups, um, different type of clubs, it's it's like what are you providing for me too? So I love the informational aspect of it, you know. And one thing that you touched on that um, I want to bring up about the laws is that, you know, we all need to know, especially like Texas, the laws are going to be different than Louisiana. Louisiana is going to be different from California. Exactly. California different from New York. I know the one story that stands out when you were talking is, um, and I forget her name, but the lady that was in New York, I believe. And her husband was abusive to her. And she didn't, she pulled out her gun and she shot in the air. Mm -hmm. She didn't shoot at him. That she was in Florida. She shot I think that happened in Florida. Florida, okay. I'll yeah. Florida. Mm -hmm. Okay, thank you for correcting me. Um, yeah, I mean, just like you say, the laws of when to shoot. I mean, and, and in her case, she should have shot him. Right. And from what I learned, right, and she she would have been fine, but the fact that she was shot in the air, yep. you're endangering everyone else. Yeah, and I think that's what happened. It's an unlawful discharge of a firearm. You're going to jail. You don't catch a case. You know, but this is stuff we don't know. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. This is stuff that we because out of sight, out of mind. We haven't been taught to learn this type of stuff. And what's sad is other communities and other ethnicities are teaching their children and preparing their yes. children. When I, what I noticed when I first started going to the range, it was me, <laughs> me, this was, I was the only one. And I'm like, wow, it's intimidating to walk into a gun range and look down the bay and all you see is white men and they got their kids and they bring their wives. And you see Hispanics that they are on dates. They're literally taking their dates to gun range. How many black men, you know what I'm saying, take black women, I'm taking you to the gun range to teach you to protect yourself. You're starting to see it a lot more. But when I first got into this, I, I was the only black girl in the gun range. And I'm like, wow, you know, it's intimidating because sometimes some gun ranges, they don't want you there. They, they looking at you. Like, you know, you know what I'm saying? You, they have their nose turned up, you know, and I'm, and you know, I'm by all means, I'm cool with everybody and I, everybody do you have your space and I'm going to respect your space regardless of your skin color. But I'm just saying, I did notice that there were not many of us uh, in the gun range practicing. And if we carry, uh, even if we are someone who carries a firearm, uh, nine times out of ten, you won't know it. I have uh, my aunts. I have two very prominent aunts in my life. You know my aunt Gay and my Nana, who's you know gone on. 
they've been carrying firearms for years. <laughs> All my life, I've seen a gun in their purse, which is illegal. It's illegal to keep a gun in your purse. Um, but I've seen, you know, them growing up. The time, you know, they got a gun. They got a gun. My name is got a gun. Okay, and we touch on that for a second. Touch on that for a second, because I didn't know that it was illegal to carry a gun in your purse. Yes, it's illegal to conceal a gun in your purse. And when you think about it, it's even not only is it illegal, but it's not smart. Like if you really end up in a situation, are you really going to be digging down in your purse trying to reach a firearm? Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like you're not going to do that. Like oh, I, oh, let me let me move past the makeup compacts and all the papers that I got in here mm -hmm. and my asthma inhaler because that's in there too. You know. What am I? I'm not just a dig in in the in inside of my purse. Not only to mention, a gun can easily discharge in your purse if you have something in there, ink pens or anything in there that can get inside the the uh, finger guard and trigger that hit that trigger. You're gonna get that gun is gonna discharge. So it's not even safe to keep a gun. A gun should be holstered at all times. Anywhere I go, any place I go. And a lot of times you'll see me in a hoodie or you'll see me in some loose clothing because I'm wearing my, I'm wearing my protection. My protection stays at my hip, uh, usually on my right side. I'm wearing it. I'm always wearing my protection. I'm never, you're, I'm, I never got my gun in my purse or in my bag or what if you lay your purse down? You know what I'm saying? What if somebody steals your purse? Now they got your firearm. You know, so stuff like that, we don't, we don't think about and we do what we see our grandparents do, you know, because that old granny that we had, like Madea, you know, Madea talks about her peace and how she gonna keep the peace. <laughs> peace be still, you know. <laughs> Madea talked a lot about, you know, so we know our grannies had them, you know, some of them, you know what I'm saying? If they lived a certain type of lifestyle, some of them had them, and but they kept them in their purses. And, you know, it's, it's unfortunate that we, we don't know. We just, we do what we see and we don't, we haven't taken the time to actually research and learn, you know, what it is we are supposed to be doing when it's dealing with firearms and gun safety and protection. So I think it's important. You're right. You're right. Uh, every, every person I've explained pretty impacting to they're like, oh my God, this is so great. The last interview you and I were on together, or well, we had your daughter, Titi, on with us. Um, Ronald, he was just, oh my gosh, just ecstatic just to hear Pretty and Packing and just to know what Pretty and Packing is and what it's about. And I think that I almost feel like the world isn't ready for Pretty and Packing because it forces you to do the right thing right. by fire Right. Does. Right. Does. Our goal is number one, safety. And yes. I thought it would not be, you know, smart of me to bring a firearm into my house and to not educate my kids as to yes. why we have it. Why do we have this device in this house? This is not mm -hmm. for you to get curious. And come in here and start fooling around with it and start playing. This is this is specifically for a reason. And just in case you do, just in case you get, you know, curious and you want to know, let's sit down and talk about 
how to avoid accidents. Let's sit down and go over rules like keep your finger off the trigger until you're ready to shoot. Number one rule, if you don't touch the trigger, the gun's not accidentally going to go off. It's, it has to be triggered. Let's talk about keeping the gun unloaded until we're, you know, we practice things like, I, me and my daughter, um, we practice things like how quick can you load it? Um, how quick can you drop the magazine and replace the next magazine? You know, what if you need more than what if you need more than the amount of rounds that you have in your magazine? You know, we we practice things like that because believe it or not, other people are teaching it to their kids. Nine times out of ten, when a shooting goes on, we we saw our first incident of a black kid at a high school with a gun. Did you see that? Prior to 2021, when that baby walked up in Mansfield High School with that firearm, we had not seen a black kid walk up into a school with a firearm and take people out. Why? Because we aren't teaching our children to do that type of stuff. That stuff is being taught by, and I'm not putting anybody down, just, you know, speaking real. You understand? We're, I'm speaking real. We're yeah. not teaching our children that type of stuff. You know what I'm saying? We're not teaching our kids safety and how to use it, how to operate it, how how to keep it from going off. You know, how to hit your target. You know what I'm saying? Stuff mm -hmm. like that. We are not teaching our children that. And I thought it was important that, you know, I took that on. You know, my daughter, she is she can teach you how to use a firearm. If you've never done it before, you can trust my 13-year-old can show you. Um, she's she scored. If she goes takes an LTC class, she's going to score like she is a trainer because that's how often we go to the range. And I think it's important. You know, our children need to know. And I feel like if we teach them, we prevent way more incidents than us not teaching them. Mm -hmm. You know, if, or keeping it secret. You got a gun in the house and the child doesn't even know until they going through your things in your room one day and all of a sudden they run across this, this firearm. I know when I was a child, I went through my mom's things. You understand? My mom worked at night. I was up three, four, five o'clock in the morning, eight, nine, 10, 13 years old. I'm wearing her makeup to school. I done found these high heel shoes. I'm wearing these high heel shoes. I'm going through her things. So if she had a firearm, nine times out of 10, I would have ran into it. You know what I'm saying? Luckily, I was yeah. afraid. So I probably wouldn't have used it. But think about, you know, when I think about now, hindsight is 2020. My mom worked at night, so me and my brother were very young standing home alone because she didn't want to take us to people's houses because she was afraid of us being molested or being mistreated. So I basically babysat my brother from the age of like six all the way until he didn't need a babysitter no more. You know, what if she had taught me to use a firearm? That would have made me feel a lot more safe and, you know, a lot more secure and protected being that I'm empowered to, to handle myself if something happens. Mm -hmm. And that's one thing that I gave to my daughter because there were times it was just me and her, you know, and I need someone to watch her and she, I don't have anybody. Okay, baby girl, we got cable, we got internet, we got a home security in this house. You're going to have to stay here because mommy got to go to work because I know you want to eat next week, right? If mommy don't get no mm -hmm. paycheck, we don't get to eat next week. 
And both of us are thick girls. We like to eat. So mommy got to go to work. So I'm going to need you to know how to use this firearm. If something happens, you get to your location and you deal with it. Call me. It's a, it's a phone there. I have a phone in that location. Um, uh, I made her watch the movie Panic Room. And um, I don't know if anybody's oh. ever seen that movie. It's a very good film. Um, but I made her sit down and watch that film. And I told her, we can't control what's going on out in the world. We can't control, you know, what people pop up in their heads they want to do. However, we can't control how they're going to handle us. That we can't control. And so that's what, you know, that's what we work to do. You know, even my son, being a black male, you know, you know, I tell, teach him, you need to carry a weapon and you need to carry a responsibility. You know, you need to you need to be able to control your anger. You need to uh, if if you got mental issues, let's talk about them. Let's deal with them. But at the end of the day, where we live, we live in Trump County. You need to be able to protect yourself. You never know. You know, and you need to know the law. You need to know the law because you need to know when it's okay to discharge that firearm. So even with all, I'm going to ask you a question. With Even with all your training, everything you know about firearms, everything that's going on with society and all that, do you have a fear of your son owning a firearm and carrying it versus your daughter owning a firearm and carrying it? You know, at first I did. Um, I had a fear because, you know, we raised these kids to be a certain way. But, you know, at the end of the day, they're exposed to the world. You know, there, there is, and it's nothing you can do. They got the world right in their hands with these devices we call cell phones um, that can basically take them from here to Timbuktu without our control. So you never know what they're exposed to. And you never know who wants to make a victim out of your child. So at first, uh, my son is very, I'm not going to call him green or naive. I'm just going to say he's extremely sheltered. Um, I, I really did, you know, drill into him the dangers of this world. Um, I really drilled into him, you know, how you can get yourself caught up in some mess and just, you know, these girls out here, you know, don't be sneaking into no girl's house because her dad has the right to shoot you, especially if she yeah. starts hollering about he's breaking me, like things that like that, that happen, you know, I really did teach him. So for a long time, I was afraid, but looking at the young man that he's become um i feel like he is really matured to a level that you know he's able to understand what's going on in the world when it comes to race when it comes to dealing with women um he's had some experiences believe it or not he's 21 now uh he'll be 22 in april so he's had some experiences that he had to kind of learn on his own he had to kind of see you know everybody ain't your friend like no three said you know, he had to yeah. figure that stuff out. So now I feel a lot safer uh, knowing that, you know, he has a piece on him when he leaves. Because um, now I feel like he can, I, I never feared his ability to fight. You know, a lot of people say, we don't need guns. All we need to do is fight. Yeah, but some fights don't be fair. You know what I'm saying? Some fights, you know, I just seen people get jumped by five, six people. You know, no, I'm, listen, right. let me tell you something. I'm cute. You understand what I'm saying? When I go somewhere, I got on heels, I got on earrings, I got on lashes, I got hair on. You're not messing this up, honey. Listen, 
You're not supposed to have me all stretched up and walking around here looking a mess. You're not doing that to the kid, no. No, I'm not throwing no bowls. I'm gonna throw some of these bullets and we'll talk about it in court. We'll work it out in the settlement or something. But yeah, I'm I'm not getting physical and just to be breathing. And somebody was like, why you need a gun? You can use pepper spray. Baby, I got asthma. I have asthma. So what am I gonna do with pepper spray? What am I gonna do? I'm we both gonna be caught. I can't do nothing with no pepper spray. I'm gonna have an asthma attack trying to get my attacker off. No, I'm good. You know, or a taser. I don't want you that close to me. If you're trying to do me harm, I don't want you close enough to me that I have to actually make contact with you with a taser. No, I want to I, give me 50 feet. If you coming at me. I guarantee you this these rounds is gonna meet you before you make it to me. We I ain't gotta get scratched. That way my face stay cute. You know, I none of that. You know, I I I got a cousin that was, was fighting and she got a cut right here on her face. That could have killed her. That could have killed her. Half an inch deeper, it would have cut a, a main artery in her neck. You know, so no, I'm not doing that. I'm not doing it. So yeah, I'm I'm actually glad that you know he he's able to carry. He's licensed to carry now. He took the LTC class, um, and as soon as Lanesha turns 21, soon as my baby girl turns 21, she'll we, we getting her in there too. I'm working on my husband, you know, <laughs> and me too. That's been that's been a job. He he well he actually he had some things happen to him that just really kind of has him not wanting anything to do with a firearm, period. When I'm doing my dry fire exercises, and I, I do dry fire exercises at night, um, which is also something that I teach that we should do, um, it, it makes him nervous. He's like, you gonna do that all night? Like it's, and every time I dry fire, he's over there in the bed jumping. I'm like, bruh, bruh, we in the house. It's not loaded. The magazine is over here. Like, chill out like it's not even the magazine and the gun but he had and i understand you know his his anxiety because of you know yeah. what he what he went through so however um i feel like those experiences should teach us to be more vigilant um in learning i feel like it's important that you know if you've had those type of experiences but some people process things differently so you know, sometimes it takes, you know, something else, you know, to get them to see. But I'm still working on it. <laughs> hey, you working on me too because Come I on, Sabrina. I got you in the range. You did pretty good. You hey. got me in the range. I don't have my license to carry it. My husband has it and then you and all the ladies that you around and and in pretty a packet of course they all have it i think i'm the only one you're not the only one you're not the only one and not only are you not the only one um but you can still protect yourself in your home you can still you just can't carry you can't go inside of a location but you still can protect yourself in your car you can still protect yourself in your home if anyone tries to come on your property and where you live honey Yes, ma'am. Oh, yeah. We need yeah. to get you in the ring. Yeah, yeah, because I, I, this country town, they shoot for fun out here. 
it just to be shooting so yes ma'am this yes, this ma little country town they, they pretty much do what they want to do but you did good when we, when, you, when we went to the range you did real good i think you, you did good talk me huh and tt talk me yeah you i think you did real good I think you did good. And, you know, it's funny because most people are so fearful. And then when they get in there and they go through the training or they, they get to see the techniques, they like, this is what I was afraid of. I'm like, it's really nothing to be afraid of. You know, I, I've walked into ranges, just going in there just to shoot and see who's there. And I've seen black women in there, like standing there deathly petrified to touch. I'm like, why did you even come to the range if you're going to just sit here and just sit here you, like literally standing by the door shaking every time the gun goes off and you know just two three minutes of going through okay this is how you hold it okay this is what you do keep your finger off the trigger until you're ready to shoot you know things like that just simple things to remember um they left like oh man i feel so much better and and it's, it actually helps you blow off some steam. It's like a good workout, you know? So, yes, yeah, Sabrina, we need to get you in the range, girl. <laughs> hey, hey, well, then that'll be my 2022 resolution uh, to get to the range. But let me send you my invitation. Every Tuesday night, I will be at the range. Every Tuesday night, um, I'm doing the gun zone. It'll either be the gun zone or it'll be Eagle gun range in Addison. The gun zone is in Mesquite. Uh, on Tuesday from 12 to 7, 12 p.m. to 7 p.m., the gun zone do ladies shoot free. Um, so I go every Tuesday night and at Eagle, it's ladies get in for $5 and the gun rentals are free. You can rent as many guns as you want uh, for free. You just have to pay for the ammo. And I always say uh, that's good because it's good to use different firearms that way you can kind of decide what you are comfortable shooting with because a lot of times um women we go out and we say oh i'm gonna give me a little small gun i'm gonna give me something small so i can throw it in my purse or i can slide it in my pocket i'm gonna give me something and not understanding you know the smaller the barrel the more recoil you have to be able to control that little small um that little small device with such a huge explosion coming out of it yeah. and you keep getting the pop back the pop back yeah. you can mess around and accidentally shoot the wrong person so you know i train with how to purchase a firearm you know how should it feel you know just certain things like that in different calibers uh when tt started out she only wanted to do um uh, the 22 she was like i'm gonna shoot a 22 i'm like girl get you a gun you need a gun honey that 22 that's a mosquito bite they still coming they're not going to stop you know so things like that learning the different calibers and the effects that those calibers have when we actually discharge them you know we need to know stuff like that we don't we don't practice it and, it, and it's important enough so Okay, so really quick, I'm going to cue it to Douglas. We're going to take like a quick five-minute break just to play a little music. I'm going to get some water, and we'll just take a break, and then we'll jump right back into it. Okay. Hey there, next level. 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 Hey there
Join me Saturday, February the 12th at the Baldwin Surge in Dallas, Texas for the Weaving of Purpose presented by none other than Hidden Images Digital Magazine. The Women with Purpose Tour is about empowering women one day at a time. Again, that's the Women with Purpose Tour, Saturday, February 12th, from 12 p.m. to 4 p.m. at the Bowling Surge in Dallas, Texas. For more information, follow us on Facebook at the Women with Purpose Tour. <laughs>
and I guess I probably need to mention it, but just like I did the gun cleaning video, uh, I'll do some how to load videos and, you know, things like that to just kind of get some education out to the community. Because um, I'm not going to charge for simple stuff, but, you know, if someone wants to meet at the range, you know, for per a personal class, or if they want me to come and host a class or something like that, yeah, or something like that, I'll definitely mm -hmm. have to have a people. I don't know what happened to my scalp. All of a sudden. <laughs> I don't know what happened, but my scalp is itching. And then these nails don't help. I need a rat tail or something. Yes. Get it, man. Get it. <laughs> yep. Yep. I need to get it. I need to I miss when my locks were this short. I love I think my I'm short a This length, I don't think I'll. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. It's too much. It's too much. She's back live. He said we back live. Okay, cool. Well, we're back live. Welcome back to Hidden Images Podcast, powered by Next Level Internet Radio. And again, we have Latandra Johnson, founder of Pretty and Packing no longer gun club, formerly a gun club. <laughs> and so we'll just dive back into where we left off. And so we're just talking about uh, gun safety, uh, gun laws, changes. Talk about Texas and the constitutional carry. What exactly does that mean? Because a lot of people are still confused. The good thing about Texas is that we are constitutional carry. And you have a lot of other states in here you know nationally that are constitutional carry and just let me say this real quick um the whole purpose for us being able or having a sec our second amendment right was to protect us from our government you know our government being overthrown or from the government being too uh, becoming too powerful powerful and turning into a dictatorship so in order to prevent that what they said was we'll let our citizens have their Second Amendment right to bear arms, um, and then there are other laws that they that they you know created around that constitutional right. So you have states that have decided that they will be a stand. You 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 may have heard terms like stand your ground, uh, constitutional carry, uh, uh, castle state law, things like that. And basically, what that means is that you have the right to protect your being and your property, yourself and your property, or someone that you love. So uh, Texas, September the 1st, uh, they, they voted back in, I want to say it was back in May, um, that, they, that they voted in Austin to make Texas the constitutional carry state. A lot of people thought constitutional carry meant, oh, I'll be able to do anything and go anywhere with my firearm. No, that's not what that means. Just because we are constitutional carry does not mean that you can just walk up in any place with a gun and because we're constitutional carry, it's legal. Um, what that means is you do have the right to carry and conceal or to openly carry either one. Openly carry means I'm out, my gun is out in the open, everybody knows I have it, that's open carry. Concealed carry means you don't know if I'm carrying it or not. You don't know what I got. I'm, I'm concealed carrying. Um, but there are still laws 
even though we're a constitutional carry. There are signs that are posted on, on buildings and establishments that let you know if you're able to go inside of that facility with a firearm. Um, and we should also know that places that make up to, um, places that make uh, up to, I believe it's 65% of their income on alcohol, um, you cannot carry a firearm legally in those places. And they should have the signs posted. Uh, the signs are even if you even if the signs are not posted. Let's say you walk into a bar with your firearm because they didn't have a sign up. Um, and you get, if you get caught or if you use that firearm discharging in that place, you'll go to jail because the law says you can't take a firearm in an establishment that you know makes a certain amount of money on alcohol, whether they have a sign or not. If you take a firearm in a hospital and you're not law enforcement whether they have a sign or not you cannot take a firearm in a federal building you know and and if it's not a private owned house if it's a if it's a you know if it's a county hospital or something that's going to be that you can't do that you can't you can't go in courtrooms and certain places you can't take a firearm still even though we are a constitutional carry um, but in some place some places will put signs up that say um, you can bring your firearm if you're licensed, if you have an LTC. That means that they want you to have some type of training um, before you walk into their establishment with the firearm. You know, so we are constitutional carry. You do have the right to protect yourself and your, and your property or your children, your family. However, we still need to pay attention to what the law says. Us becoming a constitutional carry state did not change the law. The law is still the law. The only thing it allowed us to be able to do is to leave our homes with our firearms without a license, which could also be looked at as a trap. I was, that was going to be my next question. Um, do you think that actually does more harm or good? And, and who do you think it does more harm to? Um, honestly, to be honest with you, I really feel like it could do a lot of harm um, because the masses are not going to educate themselves just off of GP. Uh, the masses yeah. are going to hear, I can carry my firearm where I want to carry it. And now that I can carry my firearm where I want to carry it, I'm going to do that. And they've had no training. Um, they don't understand de-escalating a situation where you don't need a firearm, um, or you know, they, it's just certain training that comes with the LTC class that teaches you how to conduct yourself, knowing that you're carrying a firearm. Because at the end of the day, just because the law says that you can carry a firearm, that doesn't mean you're not going to jail if you're protecting yourself. You still got to fight true. that out in the court of law. You still got to go. If you, if somebody is is punching you, and and you pull out your firearm and you shoot them, when you go to court, you got to give just cause to prove that you really were in fear for your life, or were you just taking a good butt with? <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like you, you still got to go to court and you got to prove that stuff in court. And I think that's the stuff that we. Oh, I'm gonna get off because. Yeah, no, it's not that simple. You know, for one, you need a good attorney. If you mess around and end up with a public defender, you may have a problem. 
you know so it's just a lot of things i feel like we need to be educated and that's what constitutional carry didn't do constitutional carry did not educate us you know if if you know we check the stats gun violence did not decrease because constitutional carry came into place it actually increased you know um one of the things that um, a lot of people uh well that wasn't said spoken when the baby walked into the school you know this was after constitutional carry so i'm sure this baby was thinking well hey it's constitutional carry i should be able to take my firearm to school it was rumored that he was being bullied i don't know how true it is but i'm you know we don't know what all what all happened but even in instances like that when children are being bullied and mistreated at school like they need to know you can't just take my gun to your school and start dealing with your bullies you know we need to deal with that a different way so i think constitutional carry i don't think it helped us um i think it helped the state i think it helped our governor um to win points but i don't really feel like it helped us because a lot of times we are living our lives doing what we do we hear rumor oh i'll be able to carry my gun we heard that rumor and we knew that it was coming but what did it really mean your gun needs to be holstered you can't just walk out freely with a gun in your hand talking about i'm open carry it, it doesn't work that way it has to be holstered it has to be kept safe you know so it's it's just i'm not gonna i'm put it like this i'm a fan i am a fan and an advocate for gun safety and and this, our second amendment rights and us having our second amendment rights but i'm also a fan of education and information and practicing and learning and being responsible as well so you know i i wasn't really I'm, i have to be honest i wasn't really a fan of um making ltc not necessary to carry a firearm and i'm still not a fan i agree with you um i agree with you on that um especially for us in the black community and it's almost like no matter what laws are put in place no matter if we go out and get an ltc we're uh holding in our holster We've got it in our glove compartment. The clip is over here. We could do all these things right by the law, but for some reason we still fall victim behind police brutality. Why do you think that is? Honestly, I, and, and this is my opinion, I feel like it has a lot to do with the way the laws are written. Um, the way the law is written is that all you have to do is be able to prove that you felt like your life was in danger and that's basically it's, it's all about what you can prove if if your life was never in danger if you didn't feel like your life was in danger it doesn't matter it's what can be proven in court so at the end of the day it's about how much legal um protection you have and what can be proven you know what can be made where these 12 people, your 12 peers, can look and say, hey, yeah, he really was in fear for his life. And it's sad that they use things like um, the young brothers, uh, oh, well, he was high on weed. 
I, listen, we've been in our community for a long time. Okay. We don't, oh, he had marijuana in his system. And, okay. We, and then you saying what? I mean, what are you really saying? That he was sleep, he was lazy, he was tired, he was chilling. Because I ain't never seen nobody smoke a blunt and be ready to fight or be about to fight a police officer because now they high off of marijuana. Like, I haven't seen that. So it's sad that they use our daily lives and, you know, what we do on a day-to-day -day basis in the court. None of that should matter. What should matter is, was that officer really in fear for his life? You know, we've seen instances where there was a toy gun involved. Like, why don't the officer know the difference between a toy gun and a plastic gun? You know what I'm saying? And when you see the toy, anybody to the plain eye can see, you know, that this is a toy. You know what I'm saying? Or somebody reaching for a cell phone or actually telling the officer, hey, I have a gun and you asking me to get my license and you still end up getting shot when you let the right. officer know, you know, hey, I'm not a threat, you know, I'm, or sitting in our own homes, doing nothing, just listening to worship music and now you dead because the officer thought she was in the wrong apartment. Like, crap like that. Like, it's all about what you can prove. And at the end of the day, like, we need to understand the law the way that they understand. Basically. And that's, that's the problem. We don't understand it in, in, in that context. So you walk uh with me through this before but explain it to me and the viewers one more time what are best practices to have when you get pulled over and you know your your license to carry first off when you get pulled over if you have a firearm with you you need to make sure number one that the firearm is holstered do not keep a firearm in your glove compartment box don't do that that is a very deadly uh, thing to do when um, so let me just give you my experience because I've been pulled over with my firearm and I worked it through my brain like for so long I'm gonna be licensed to carry uh, one of my aunts was like well once you get that license to carry you get that paper when they pull you over they know you got a firearm and so I went to research it because I wanted to know I wanted to be able to say do they really know when they pull you over if you have a firearm and in some cases they do, but if you're not driving, you know, if your license is not registered to that vehicle, you know what I'm saying? It, it, they may miss it. So I happen to be driving my husband's car. Um, my license is not registered to his vehicle and I had my firearm. My firearm was in a holster and it was sitting right next to me under a little flap that he has where the he has an older car where you have the flaps and you can lift the flap up in the front and it's three seats. Uh, it's an old grand marquee. Um, and so I had it holstered in under the flap so you couldn't see it. So when the officer pulled me over, he asked me to go into the glove. I had my best practice, keep your hands on the steering wheel open. You wanna keep your palms on the steering wheel. That is very important because you want them to see that this is where my hands are. I'm not making any sudden movements. Don't get agitated. Don't get no attitude because you got pulled over. They have the right to pull you over. They are the law. 
<laughs> you know what I'm saying? So don't show no signs of, oh, I'm in a rush or none of that. Stay calm. Be polite. Even if you feel like, like some people, we have pride and we ain't got no business. I ain't even do no, still be polite, stay calm, keep your hands, palms open on the steering wheel. And um, they will ask you to get, get your license and get your uh, ID or whatever. Let them know, I am a licensed to carry citizen. I have my license to carry and I do have my firearm in the car for my protection. You need to say that. You need to verbally communicate that with your hands on the steering wheel. I am licensed to carry, and I do have a, a firearm in my, don't say gun, <laughs> because that is, it can be intimidating when you say gun or when you say weapon. You know, you wanna say, I have a firearm in my car for my protection. I let the officer know, my fire, he asked me to get my ID and my license, and I'm like, hey, are you sure you want me to move my hand I, I expressed to him that I would much rather for him to get it for me because he said, oh, uh, you have a firearm? I said, yes, I have a firearm and I'm licensed to carry. He said, oh, is it in the glove compartment? I said, no, it's not in the glove compartment. It's sitting here next to me. This is my belief. I don't believe you should keep a gun in the glove compartment. You keep your gun holstered. If something happens to you, do you have time to unlock your glove compartment? Go inside your glove compartment and get your firearm to protect yourself. I mean, and I know I am not the only person that watched what happened to Mo3 on 35, mm -hmm. trying to run around to the other side of his car to get his firearm from his car so that he can protect himself while he's being shot at. Shot at. Mm -hmm. You know, nobody, you don't, you, you don't have time. So as long as your gun is holstered, it's okay to carry your gun in the car with you. It's, it's okay. It just needs to be in a holster. And um, the officer told me, I told him, I informed him, I'm LTC uh, carrier. I'm an NRA instructor. I do have my firearm in the car with me. Um, what do you want me to do? He said, okay, well, just keep your hands right where they are, where I can see them. My partner's going to come around and open your door. So she opened the door and guided me out of the car. That gave him power to do whatever he needed to do in that car. Mm -hmm. I didn't argue with that officer. I didn't disagree with anything that he said. Um, I didn't get an attitude because it was so late and I'm tired. And I, he don't have nothing to do. He, he's an officer. He's just trying to do his job. I'm not against the police. You know, I do understand that we do have a few out there that, you know, own the revenge for the Trump stuff. And we got a few of them out there doing their thing. And I get it. I'm not against the police. I back the blue 100%. Um, but I do believe that individuals have a right to protect themselves from the misfits in the community. You know, we have the right. And so you exercise that right by first respecting the law. You know, so I had to give him my utmost respect and, and not question why he stopped me. I knew why he was stopping me. I couldn't see. It was late at night and I was working. I ain't crazy. I know why he stopped me. I got bad eyesight. You know? <laughs> That's why he stopped me. He's wondering, am I drunk? Why is this grand marquee swerving on this highway? Because I can't see the white lines because it's midnight and I can't see. You know? <laughs> so uh, it ended up not being a, a, a bad experience, but it taught me 
you know, you have to stay calm in certain situations. Because there was a time that I was not calm. You know, there was a time that I possibly could have been a victim of police um, because I, I didn't stay calm. Or I could have been a victim of someone else because I'm acting erratic and emotional um, in a situation like that. In fact, the guy that approached me on Monday, you know, I was like, whoa, you know, this this type of interaction, you know, from a stranger, yeah, I definitely would have pulled my piece out on him. You know, the only thing that kept me from pulling my piece out on him was the fact that we were in the airport, you know. Um, but I did alert the authorities that, hey, this this dude is a, is a threat to being in the airport, period. You know, and y'all let him pass security. You know, that's a problem. Y'all need to do something. I don't know what y'all got going on in this airport, but y'all need to do something about that, you know. But just the main thing to remember if you're being pulled over, stay calm. Agree with the officer even if you don't agree. If you feel like you're being mistreated, it's possible. If you feel like you're being, you know, discriminated against, it's possible. But get away alive. Get away alive. And you can tell the story to your attorney. And we need to learn how to lawyer up. We need to learn how to be ready to pay for legal representation. Uh, if we have family members that don't have legal representation, we need to assist. You know, hey, I know someone. I know, you know, that's what used to happen back in the day. It's not happening now. People, oh, that's not my problem. It's a community issue. It's everybody's problem that lives in your community. You know, so I, we just, we need to just be well informed. But yeah, most definitely stay calm. Keep your hands visible and do what the police say until you're not in their prop in their company anymore, and then you can, um, you know, deal with it after. I've I've actually made reports to Internal Affairs, and I've seen things happen because of the way I was treated by police. There's there's protocol um, and and avenues that you can take to fight back when you feel like you're being discriminated against. Luckily, that wasn't, you know, my situation wasn't, did turn into that. Um, one of the police chiefs actually pulled up on the scene um, and he asked me, he said, how do you feel like you've been treated tonight? I told him, I said, they were 100% professional. Um, I really appreciate, and shout out to those officers. I mean, they, they handled me with 100% professionalism. Um, I didn't feel endangered. I didn't feel like something could happen. Even when the second car, normally when the second car pull up, that means you're going to jail. Don't ask me how I know, but I'm just saying. <laughs> Especially at third. You see that second car pull up, you're like, oh, let me call somebody to come bail me out. Because <laughs> you already know. That's true. But when, when he pulled up, I'm like, hey, I don't have no warrant. Um, I'm legally carrying my firearm. I got insurance. Mm -hmm. Like, what y'all gonna do? How long? How long are y'all gonna hold me? Cause, and I'm not even acting like that. Like, I'm not even. I'm just chilling. He said, "Sit down, honey." I sat right on down. I just, hey, let me. You want me to sit on the curb? I'm gonna sit right here on the curb. It's a nice night out tonight. Don't you think it's a nice night, officer? 
How you been doing? Did you have a good Thanksgiving? You know, I'm just sitting there host, holding a conversation like, because what I got to be nervous and in in afraid for? I didn't do anything illegal. I'm, I'm exercising my, my constitutional right. And I just went out to karaoke. He was like, you drunk? You been drinking? No, sir. I was just doing some karaoke. No, I don't drink when I carry my firearm. I, I I know how to go have a good time without alcohol. I don't drink when I carry my He was like, that was so responsible. Yeah. You know, I try to follow the law. He said, well, you didn't have it hosted. I said, no, it's in a holster. It may not be in the type of poster that you're used to, but it's an, it's hostered. I keep my gun hostered. He's like, I, I know what the law says. So yeah, I'm following it. I'm doing it. He, then he tried to tell me, oh, well, your gun is stolen. No, no. I got the receipt right here on the phone. I took a picture of the receipt to show, you know, to keep in my phone. So if anybody ever tried to say I stole this Where gun. Where did he get that phone? Huh? Where did he get that? Where did he because um, a, a lot of people think that guns are registered to you, okay? Uh, that's a myth. A gun is not registered to you per se, okay? A gun has, like a car has a VIN number on it. A gun has a, a um, what they call it, uh, what's the, whatever number, it has a number on it, okay? But it's kind of like the VIN number. I can't think of what it's called right now for whatever reason. Um, but no one actually has a system or a log of this gun is registered to so-and-so. When you go, you go to an FFL dealer to purchase that gun, they, they run your background to make sure you don't have no felonies, no criminal history. But the only thing that they do is they put that you're, they're transferring this gun into your name. That doesn't mean that there is a registry because you can sell that gun. Or you can buy that gun, or you could buy that gun as a gift. You know, yeah. um, so it's not registered to you. So when he went and ran the serial number, that's what it was. When he went and ran the serial number, part of the serial number came back as a stolen gun. But he could only see a part of the serial number. He couldn't see the other part. So for that reason, I needed to be able to show him no, sir. I purchased this firearm legally. I went through an FFL dealer. They they checked my background. This is my receipt to show that I purchased this firearm because there really is no proof. Once you purchase a firearm, there really is no proof other than the bill of sale or the receipt that that firearm belongs to you. They, they will never put a serial number in and your name is going to pop up on that gun. It doesn't work like that. Because the guns go through the FFL dealers. In order to sell a firearm, like legally, you have to be a, you have to have an FFL license. And so, what they'll do when they run that serial number, they'll reach out to they'll reach out to the FFL dealer who transferred that gun to somebody's ID, and they'll reach out to them and go, "Hey, you sold this gun to such 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 mm -hmm. such." That FFL dealer took your ID, they took your statement, they took your uh, information. So that's how law enforcement finds you. They find you through the FFL dealer, not just because you, the gun is registered to, it's, no, it's not like that. That's the terminology that they use, but it's, we've learned so many things wrong. <laughs> I didn't know that. 
that's one thing I, I didn't know. Uh, that's that's really good information to know because you're absolutely right. When you buy a firearm, you can. You can sell it a year later. You can give it as a gift. And so yeah, that's really good information. Yeah. But yeah, it's stuff like that that I think is important for us to know. And I wouldn't have known it had not gone through, you know, not gone through that experience. So, you know, that experience taught me that, you know, hey, this gun really is not registered to my name. Like if they put the serial number in, this doesn't come up in my name. It comes up if, if they don't put in the whole serial number, it comes up as a stolen firearm. So I have to keep my, I got to make sure that I have my uh, receipt in my phone ready to show if something happens with that firearm, which is a smart thing to do for anybody purchasing a firearm. Right. That FFL, that paper that you get from the FFL dealer, you need to take a picture of that and keep it in your phone. So if somebody tried to say, you know, I took my gun in New York. You're not even supposed to take a gun in New York. You know, New York has very, very strict gun laws. Um, but I was taking my daughter on a birthday trip, and I did not want to go on that trip without being able to protect myself to a place like New York. You know, we from out of town, anything can happen. But when I read the laws, the state laws for New York, if I'm not in that state more than 72 hours, and my gun is unloaded, it, it's this, 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 this uh, chart, you know, it's not engaged, then I'm not, I'm not breaking any law. So when I, when I got to the airport and I was, um, you know, approached by, because they, they called the police when they saw when I had to check my bag and they seen that I had my firearm, the lady said, well, are you law enforcement? I said, no, I'm not law enforcement. She was like, um, you're not security or anything? I'm like, no. She's like, so did somebody give you this? Like, why do you have a firearm? I told her, I'm passing through. I'm passing through. We've been here for two days. I'm passing through, flying home. And she was like, oh, she had to call the police. And when the police came, they was like, you know, you're not supposed to carry a firearm in our state, you know, the state of New York. I said, yeah, I know. I said, but I haven't been here 72 hours. My gun is unarmed. It's locked up. It's been locked up. The only reason I, I brought it with me is because I had it with me where I left and I kept it in my hotel room the whole time. And they was like, well, do you have LTC in the state of Texas? I said, we don't need an LTC in the state of Texas. However, I have one. Not only do I have an LTC, but I'm also an NRA instructor. So it may, I may have a gun on me. You know, I'm an NRA instructor. I'm, I'm with the NRA. I may have a gun. What could they do? There was nothing they could do. Give me my boarding pass. I love y'all. Thank y'all for protecting our airport. I really appreciate you guys are doing such a good job. Y'all are on y'all P's and Q's. Listen, I appreciate it. Y'all have a good day. <laughs> I got a flight to catch. <laughs> and it was so and funny because like PT was sitting there about to come unglued. My daughter, she was she was like, oh my God, they about to take my mama to jail. Like we good, baby. We good. But that you know, that's what it's about. We have to be informed. We have to know the laws. I wouldn't advise anybody doing that. I'm just saying. Yeah, no, no. Disclaimer. Yeah, disclaimer. Don't, don't do that. Do not do that. <laughs> disclaimer. Yeah, do Whether you're tuned in here, you're tuned in here. Right. Do not do that. Don't do that. <laughs> know the law, but don't don't do that. 
Yeah, no, you're lost. And if you need more information on gun safety training, please contact Latandra Johnson. She's full of information. And we're going to wrap it up. But before we do, go ahead and just share with everyone how they can reach out to you, Pretty and Packin, and any key members in the group. We are um, on Facebook as Pretty, the letter N, Packin, with no G. Um, we are on Instagram as Pretty and Packin. We have a website, prettyandpackingc.com. Um, my phone number is available on the website. Uh, on our Facebook page, so anybody want to reach out to me, uh, you literally, honestly, I don't answer. I will answer a text before I'll answer a phone call, um, but I'm always available uh, right now. Um, if you want to hit anybody in our group, uh, you can email us at prettyimpactinggunclub at gmail.com, or you can hit us on our web, through our website or through Facebook, Pretty Impacting. Um, we're basically all over. We will be joining you um, on the Women of Purpose Tour. I'm so excited about that. I think this is going to be a trend-setting event, and I just want to commend you yes. for your creativity and, you know, those ideas that are popping out. I think it's going to be amazing for 2022. It's exactly what we need in our community, um, and especially inspiring young women you know, to become women of purpose or to follow women of purpose so that they can, you know, get on the road to becoming a woman of purpose. So I am, you know, elated to be on the tour with you. And you can find us out here, Pretty and Packing, Pretty and Packing Gun Club. Google us, we out there. <laughs> well, I'm excited to have you, Tan. It's always a pleasure speaking with you. I guarantee this won't be our last interview because you have so much in store, so much going on. And um, you and TT have a lot of information to share. So I'm sure you'll be back again on Hidden Images Podcast. Thank you again for being my first guest. I really appreciate your support. It's been a pleasure. And I will see you soon. Thank you. Bye-bye. <laughs> <laughs> Hi there, it's motivational speaker and spiritual transformation coach, Doris Spencer Shackleford from Doris Speaks Life. And you're listening to Hidden Images Podcast, powered by Next Level Internet Radio. Join me Saturday, February the 12th at the Ballroom Surge in Dallas, Texas for the Women with Purpose Tour, presented by none other than Hidden Images Digital Magazine. The Women with Purpose Tour is about empowering women one day at a time. Again, that's the Women with Purpose Tour, Saturday, February the 12th, from 12 p.m. to 4 p.m. at the Ballroom Surge in Dallas, Texas. For more information, follow us on Facebook at the Women with Purpose Tour.